you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's DJ Bucky. Back with you, Buck. How's it going, man? Man, everything is good, man. I can't can't complain. It's a a weird Thursday because we don't have Thursday night football, but it's an exciting football weekend coming up. Yeah, it gives us a good opportunity to, to remind people of the the other project we're working on, which is uh, doing these Thursday night games. We do those on uh, you can find those on Amazon Prime, or you can also find them on uh, Twitch.tv slash Move the Sticks, where you can see me, Bucky, and Joy Taylor. Um, just kind of, uh, hanging with you as we go through the, hanging with you as we go through the game. So that'll be back. We'll be doing that on Monday, uh, with bills and uh, chiefs, which should be a great game. So you can find us on there. Um, it'd be a good time, but, uh, a lot to get to today, Buck. I, I want to start though, uh, with what's going on with the jets, with Levy and bell being released. And as we're recording, this looks like he's down to about three teams, uh, where he's deciding uh, who he's going to pick uh, to go play the rest of the season with. But I, I want to kind of attack this from a couple different angles. Um, you know, we talk about the teams that would make sense for him. Um, what can we expect from him about what the um, what does this mean for, you know, these second contracts for running backs, which we've had that healthy debate for a long time. 
but also I'll start here with from the Jets side of things. Why they, you know, why would you do something like this? And in, in my opinion, when your season is pretty much gone at, at 0-5, they look like they're marching towards a, you know, a top three pick, if not the number one overall pick. Le'Veon Bell's owed eight, eight or eight and a half million with an injury guarantee, which means if you take your physical at the end of the year, I don't know, or in March or whenever it is, and he has some type of an injury, that money's guaranteed. So to continue to trot him out there on a team that's not going anywhere, and you know that the player is not going to be part of your team the following year, some ways it would be irresponsible um, to to have something happen to him to get hurt and be on the hook for his money for the following year. So. That's why the timing of it now made sense. I know some people had, had insinuated, why didn't you wait till the trade deadline? Maybe there'd be a running back that would get hurt around the league and then uh, you'd get something for him. Well, no. With his money, even if somebody got hurt, you're probably not going to get anything for him. And the fact that those teams would be signing up for that same injury guarantee, nobody's doing that. And the Jets could not afford to have that money on their books next year. So that to me is kind of the, you know, why they made that decision on that side. Well, I mean, it makes sense from that vantage point. Um, I think this was just an abject failure um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, free agency, understand, understanding the player, uh, not only the player on the field, but the player off the field, and also understanding the program or the system that you're bringing him into. Um, Le'Veon Bill is a unique running back, and I always thought his style was unique, and it was so unique that Really, the only place that I really thought it would fit would be Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh had seen the transformation. And I will say that I'm an unabashed Le'Veon Bell fan from the time I watched him at Michigan State. When I watched him at Michigan State in my report, I wrote down that he reminded me a lot of Steven Jackson when Steven Jackson was coming out of Oregon State. I will say that what Le'Veon Bell transformed into at Pittsburgh is unlike anything that I can imagine because I've never seen a guy who was that big in college, slimmed down and completely overhaul his running style. His running style is unlike any running back that we've seen in terms of the level of patience that he exhibited, but it's a style that's not for every team, every scheme, uh, every coach. And in Pittsburgh, they have found a way to make it work because they watched him organically grow in that system and they were able to make some alterations for him to succeed. Now, they had issues when it came to the contract or whatever. And you can say from the Steelers standpoint, they tried to pay him a big deal. Uh, Lev balked at the money or whatever. But it appeared that it was a match made in heaven based on the player's skills, the way they utilized him, and the system that they had in place. When he ventured outside of that system, I think he put himself at risk, particularly coming off of a year where he didn't play as a running back and in running backs years like you age in dog years and, and running backs parlance it's like when you sit out a year that's like sitting out three years and there's no guarantee that you can shake off the rust and i just don't know if we ever saw the same levy and bill that we saw in pittsburgh and so we can argue about whether the jets had enough weapons and all this stuff around him i'm not convinced that he was the same player in that system and i don't know if it ever would have worked uh based on how adam gase and those guys want to run their offense well, a couple things. I mean, one, no, there's not a lot of talent around him. You know, there was not a lot of things in place to help Le'Veon Bell. But when you pay somebody, whatever it was, $14 million a year as a running back, um, think about where that market is now. Think about how much money that is. You pay him $14 million a year, 
you got to get a run longer than 19 yards. I don't care who's blocking for you, but I think in 17 games, that was the longest run they had. They didn't have a run of 20 yards. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that points to an erosion of some skills there, no doubt. Now, um, he was not put in a great situation, you know, especially the you know, his first uh, first couple of years there with, with what he had in front of him offensive line-wise versus, you know, uh, being a little bit better in that area now, but he just, you know, it's not a good fit. And it goes back to the whole thing. We talk about building the foundation of the house and then then you go from there. This was a flawed building project for the Jets. They went out and spent their money on a running back and inside linebacker. Uh, you just can't do that. You just can't. And 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 it's not this is a different discussion than than the one we have about do you draft a running back in the first round? No, no, I'm okay with that, especially when you have the foundation built to go get that first round running back, ride him to the wheels fall off for five years, um, and then let him walk. But to have holes all over your roster, to not have a good offensive line, to not have edge rushers, to not have quality corners, and then to go spend your money on free agent running backs and off the ball linebackers who don't rush the quarterback, like it's just a flawed, a completely flawed uh, building plan. It is a flawed building plan. And I think what it speaks to is, you have to evaluate the evaluator. Uh, obviously, this is before Joe D goes there. This is Mike McAgnan. And we talk about team building and from a philosophical standpoint, how do you want to build your team? Uh, I think you and I are in sync in terms of the core pieces or the foundational pieces that you need for a franchise, championship franchise. You need a quarterback. You need an offensive tackle, really two. You need pass rushers, two. You need a cover corner. And then we will say like the luxury item would be a second level defender um, mm-hmm. that can make plays, linebacker off the ball or whatever. But if you didn't, if you needed to exclude one, that would be the one that you would. Yeah. As long yeah. as you have those things, those foundation piece, foundational pieces, you can build a championship team. With Le'Veon Bell and even with C.J. Mosley, like the Jets must have, we would have to go back and look at their roster. They must have misevaluated what they had on yeah. their roster. Um, and sometimes that can happen when you fall in love with your draft picks. And at the time, I want to say maybe they had Leonard Williams. I think Sheldon Richardson was already gone, but maybe they just thought they were at a place where they weren't. Cause I, I just can't understand like the building philosophy, but then I, I will say this, I think as an evaluator, when you're the decision maker and you're the decision maker outside of being the coach, I think not only do you have to evaluate the player, you better evaluate the coach and the guy who is going to be the puppeteer. Because if your coach or whoever is responsible for crafting the offense or the defense doesn't have the ability to change and adapt to the personnel that he's given, you can't bring him players that may fall outside of that system. And, you know, we do this on, on, on draft day and we talk about it leading up to the draft. Like, hey, man, you get a player, you have to figure it out. But there's some people that are incapable of figuring it out. And what happens is you get frustration on both ends. You get a player who's frustrated because he's not utilized the right way. And then you get a coach frustrated because he's being asked to move outside of his comfort zone and his preferred system. And it never works out when it's like that. So everybody has to be in sync when it comes to these big acquisitions. Yeah. What, again, though, I mean, that's it's crazy to me that you would not have coach and general manager together on a free agency uh, process where you're going through meetings and you're going setting your board and these are guys we're going to target. I just can't imagine that. I, I can't imagine that you'd say, hey, coach, here you go. He's all yours. And the coach be like, wait a second, I didn't even like this guy, which which kind of that I want to say that got out 
I mean, before they'd even played a game that it got out that that Adam Gase was not happy that they had spent all that much money on Levy and Bell. I mean, I think isn't that correct? If I'm remembering yeah, that, right? it, it it did get out. And my thing, if if it's that, how do you even get to that point? Like, because DJ, the, the way that we're going, and this was controversial because Mike McAdam was given the opportunity to bring free agents in. He was given the opportunity to run the draft. And then after the draft, he was fired. So it was just a bungled operation from the jump because ownership should have, if you're going to let go of the general manager, you let him go before he can leave <laughs> a lasting imprint on your franchise. And if you're going to empower the coach, Adam Gase, and let him be basically the football czar, then you should probably let him do it from day one so he can build the, the team and the organization in the image and the vision that he sees fit. Um, but now you have really a weird situation because even in moving on from Mike McAdden, like Joe Douglas has left to kind of pick up the pieces and he's left to pick up the pieces. I mean, whether he and Adam Gase are in lockstep or not, like it's just not an operation that you start starting together and you see football in the same way. And I'm not saying that the head coach and the general manager have to always um, be on the same page when it comes to football decisions. But in a general sense, they have to believe that football should be played a certain way. That how you build the team, how you play, how you build your team to win the division, those things are important. And you need to be in agreement there because you can't really build the team if you disagree in how to go about the initial and the core part of the process. And so it'll be interesting to see how this goes. But I will say this. Um, if I'm aside with somebody, I'm certainly not going to side with the coach, Adam Gase, because he has a track record of not being able to evaluate or utilize his talent. We've seen it in Miami where a lot of talented players came and went through South Florida. We, Jarvis Landry, uh, you could say what you want to say about Jay Ajay. Um, Kenyon Drake. Can you, I mean, a host of good players came in and out of there. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. And How about the quarterback? Seen, what about Devontae Parker? I mean, yeah. Devontae Parker, Ryan Tannehill, like it goes Thanks. on and on. And so now you have to look at him like, well, I mean, is there anybody that fits beyond Peyton Manning and a couple of high-end players that would have worked anywhere? And so I think this is a situation where ownership have to come in. And if they do make a move at the end of the season or whatever, I think it would be interesting to see how Joe Douglas takes where the team is now and starts the rebuilding process. You know, because I think it's a very difficult thing just kind of where he is because he's kind of stuck in no man's land with the quarterback because Sam mm-hmm. Donner would be in a situation where you are you need to start thinking about fifth-year options and are you all in on him? Are you out? Are you in on him enough to bypass an opportunity to get another quarterback? Does he have enough trade value where you can feel good about getting something in return if you moved on from him to go and get one of the new quarterbacks? It's a very difficult situation. and, and you also have to find the coach and the coach has to be one who can take a quarterback, either the one that you have in Darnold or a new one and get them up and ready to play right away. A lot, a lot of moving pieces while building the rest of the roster. Well, it's interesting because there's a couple other things I want to get to. Um, and I'm not saying this about Levy and Bell, but in this situation, like if you're with the, if you are the Jets, um, I've brought this up before, which is teams are struggling the only thing worse than having a bad year and kind of a, you know, a, a mulligan year is when you're having a mulligan year playing with players that you can't evaluate. 
Like this is an, this is now an evaluation process. So I know some people are making the argument, that's why you keep Le'Veon Bell, because it'll help you better evaluate Sam Darnold. Well, I'm sitting here going, well, this, you need to evaluate Sam Darnold as well as other people on your roster. If you're not getting P. Ryan any touches, he's not playing as a rookie running back on a bad team, which makes absolutely no sense to me that you're giving so many carries to a 37-year-old Frank Gore. Hall of Famer, we love him, God bless him, but he's not going to be a part of the future for the Jets. So when you have these young players, sometimes the only way you can get some of these young players on the field is to be able to thin out the room. You know, If the coaches are just going to be comfortable playing veteran players, well, guess what? I'm going to have to cut some veteran players then so that these guys are going to get their opportunity. I'm not saying that's what's going on there, but I'm saying that's what I would be doing in that situation. If you can't, if you're not going to play my young guys, then I'm just going to start cutting all the old guys. So you don't have a choice. Well, yeah, I mean, and the writing was on the wall when you bring in Frank Gore, who is an Adam Gase favorite, um, because he is a, a model citizen. He's a great leader. He's a great locker room guy. But you now have a 37-year-old running back to go with a 28-year-old running back in Levy and Bell. There's not a lot of carries left for the other guys. And because neither one of those guys can play special teams or do anything outside of being a running back, you really do slow down the growth of some of your younger players. And so if we're now in the evaluation phase, I think this is a big boy meeting that everyone in the organization has to have. And it has to be a mandate from whoever has the power. I would Let's just assume that Joe Douglas has the power. Here's what we're going to do. We need to get all of these guys, young guys on the field so we can see exactly what we have. So the young guys need to play. Coaches, you need to develop the young guys. You need to give them an opportunity to play. And we need to be able to know exactly who we have by the end of 2020 so we can make plans to be good going on. Coaches will typically push back because they know if they accumulate enough losses, they're going that's to be right. out the door. And yeah. that's not in their thing. But I think, I mean, it is what it is. Like, this is what we have to do. We got to get the young guys on the field. I got to see them play. And so if we want to play this game and let you guys coach like you want to coach for real for the next three weeks and see where we are at the midway point, so be it. But at some point, if we are desperate, like out of the playoff mix, which it looks like we're close to, we got to start playing the young guys so we can get an evaluation. I've been on teams before where the special teams coach can kind of be a pain in the butt too, where they, you know, hey, we have to have this guy up and active on game day because, you know, he's our best, you know, cover guy on punt. And you're like, well, you know what, coach, we got a couple other injuries in the, in the secondary, so we can't really afford to keep this bonus linebacker who's not going to get on the field up so that he can cover your kick when we might be down a corner. Like, we, we, need, to, we need to elevate a corner. Like, no, they, special teams coaches will have you believe we cannot even play a game. If you're, if you're uh, you know, if, our, if you're R3 on kickoff, your regular R3 can't play in the game, you have to put somebody else in there. It's like you, the whole world's going to come to an end. And I've seen, I've seen general managers just say, okay, you're going to keep coming up to my office and complaining about this. I'll tell you what, I'm going to cut that kid. So that <laughs> I don't even have to have this conversation with you anymore because it's not even an option. We're going to put up who we're going to put up. You figure it out to cover a kick. That's your job. Uh, coach somebody up and get down there and do it. Don't tell me there's only one person on planet Earth that's capable of being your R3 on kickoff. <laughs> so you, you've seen that though like they're crazy. so harsh dj you ready to wear the gym man like man no. you're separating the emotional now but it, it is true because a couple of different factors that played into this decision with levy and bill that are are coming out one you have to be careful about letting coaches bring in veterans um because coaches want dependability and reliability there would be their little whoopee blanket yeah at, at, at the expense of athleticism and potential and dy dynamic playmaking potential. They want to know, hey, I got this old player. No, I know he can't run, but he he knows everything 
that I'm seeing in the meeting, when I write it down, I look at his notebook, he has everything. Same thing to do with backup quarterbacks. Um, and so you have to guard against that. You have to make sure that it's a delicate mix in terms of the de- developmental players and the veteran holdovers. You also have to make sure that everyone is in lockstep in terms of how we develop in our players. Um, the best teams that we've seen, they are able to get their young guys on the field and have success. We've seen Pittsburgh play a bunch of young players. We've seen the Seattle Seahawks do it for years. I mean, we even the New England Patriots have been able to do it. What is the investment time-wise with you and your younger players outside of the normal meeting thing? Are you spending 10 minutes before practice and 10 minutes after practice to make sure that the young guys are ready? Like, do we have a developmental premise where we have a clear plan for how we're going to develop our players. And when you have those things in place, it has to be like, we always talk about the synergy. The synergy has, has to come from GM head coach all the way down. And everyone has to be on the same page when it comes to that. All right. I'm going to, the last thing we'll move on. I know this is a lot of jets. We'll move on from the jets here. You, You realize that they have only one person who has a carry of over 13 yards this year, Buck. Wow. You know who it is. We just wow. saw it the other night. Who was that? Sam Darnold. Wow. Sam Darnold has a 49 at what, 46 yard touchdown? Yeah, he had a touchdown it, the other day. Frank Gore's longest carry, he's got 64 rushing attempts. His longest run is 13 yards. Le'Veon Bell has had, let's see, he's only, you know, he's missed time. He's had 19 attempts. His longest run is 13 yards. P. Ryan has 15 attempts. His longest is 11. I mean, like, that is gross. I mean, you have no runs over 13 yards from your running backs. Man, that's think about that. That's hard to win. PJ, that's and I don't look, I don't know if P Ryan's any good. I mean, I, I like P Ryan and love P Ryan going through the draft process, but I'd like to see him at least see what he can do. Yeah, uh, I think I think you would like to get a chance to to see what he can do and see what some of the other guys can do. You know, it's it's really a team that is it's just kind of a, a weird, weird makeup when you look at their skill guys and what they have and who are the potential guys that you can build around? Like in doing the game the other night, like we're looking at the roster, you're looking at the depth chart, and you're like, okay, you got you like Makai Becton. Um, let's say we'll still hang on with, with Sam Darnold. Who are the other guys that are a must-have guys? Like we must have these guys on the roster. Like they don't have they don't have many of those guys that you're James like Crowder, good slot receiver. You know, but even with that, like it, it's yeah. like, eh, I mean, I can he's he, hurt. He gets yeah, hurt. Yeah, okay. You know, but so so when you think about it, like the draft, free agency, everything, um, there's a lot of work to do. But you, you need to see which of these young guys can play and can potentially be guys that can fill some of these these holes as you, you're flipping the roster. And understand the roster flip is a two- to three-year model. Yeah. And so you need guys that hopefully can get you to competitive uh, around 500, and then in year two and year three, you can get over the top. Yeah, a lot of draft picks for the Jets after that Jamal Adams trade. Now the pressure's on to uh, to make sure you hit on those. Uh, all right, let's let's get to this big matchup we've got this week here. We've got uh, Brady and Rodgers. Uh, Packers going to take on the Bucks. First of all, Rodgers. I mean, is he the, is is he the MVP right now? I don't want to get into this whole MVP debate with all a million names, but just I think he's playing. Let's put it this way: he's Have playing at a high level. Better? Have you seen him play better than he's playing right now? No, I mean he's playing back to the level that. 2011 um, when he won the MVP. He's won it twice. Uh, I think this is as close to 2011 when you look at the numbers. But I will also say this, and we, we've we talked about this um, on the podcast before. 
Aaron Rodgers is the most talented player to ever play in this system. This Shanahan system, we have seen take average to good players and make them great. We saw the Shanahan system transform Matt Ryan into a what B, B-plus quarterback into an MVP. We saw Jared Goff go from being a guy that was singled out as a bust to being a guy that could lead his team to the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins, um, Baker Mayfield is playing in it. Uh, we're looking at Joe Burrow now begin to have an opportunity to play in it. It is a system that really, really works because it elevates the performance of the quarterback. I will say that Aaron Rodgers has been a, I mean, look, he's been the top, one of the top two, three quarterbacks in the league for a long time. But anyone who is sitting here saying that over the last three years, you didn't see a regression, you're not being honest. Aaron Rodgers had played off the script. Aaron Rodgers was a guy who preferred to play kind of in a, improvisational way as opposed to staying within the structure of the offense. What I see this year, he's playing within the structure of the offense and what the offense does, it gives you so many layups that you get into a rhythm. Now that you're a rhythmic passer, the ball is going through the hoop and you're Aaron Rodgers with special arm talent. Now those, those lottery tickets that we're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo miss Aaron Rodgers cashes those in. And so when people are talking about, Oh, the receivers and this and that, yeah, because the system creates opportunities for the receivers to get one-on-one. You don't need an A-plus receiver to be able to cash in on one-on-one opportunities that they're diagramming up. But what you do need is a quarterback that can put it in the strike zone when you get those four or five opportunities in a game, and that's what the Packers are doing. So, yes, Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level, but I think Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for crafting an offense that is elevating a high-end quarterback to play at in MVP level after he had kind of begun to regress a little bit. I'm trying to look, I'm looking up these seasons here because we had Mahomes a couple of years ago who had the, you know, 50 touchdowns, but I, I honestly think Buck, we could be headed towards a 50. I'll say like a 50 and five, which is 50 touchdowns and five or fewer picks. Like I, Oh, you think, you I think Aaron Rodgers need 50 touchdowns? He's on, he's on pace right now for 52 touchdowns. He had thrown a pick yet. He's on pace for 52 touchdowns. Well, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to throw picks. He's going to throw it in the stands. Or I know. He, he, he doesn't throw picks. But you know? but I'm just saying, like, I think that you're looking at a potential 50 and five. Wow. Less or fewer. I always 50, that. 50 tubs? Wow. He's on I mean, pace. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess he – I mean, he's he's on pace. But, man, can he can he sustain that pace? I, I, I'm, I'm excited I to see this game. And so Peyton, Peyton had 55 and 10. In uh, yeah. 2013, 55 touchdowns, 10 picks. So, and I think Mahomes was similar in terms of the, the number of picks. Brady has his 50. What year was his 50 touchdown season? Was that was 2007, 2008, somewhere in there, right? 2007 was. Uh, now yeah, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, that crew. 50 and eight. So, yeah, so he was 50 and eight. 50 touchdowns, eight picks. I think Rod yeah, beat yeah, I think I think the MVP race, like when we're really having an honest discussion – um, the MVP race comes down to Russell Wilson, and you can throw Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't put Josh Allen in that discussion. I think it's been a nice story the first quarter of the year. But I think more teams are going to take a page out of the Titans playbook. They're going to play zone coverage. They're going to test his discipline and see if he's disciplined enough to take the check down and not force the hero throw. And I don't know. Um, I think right now the nod has to go to Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is doing it with less. And before the bill screams about whatever the Packers' deficiencies Maybe I will say this. It's the worst defense of all time when it comes to yardage allowed. Like the Seattle Seahawks defensively are not 
what we think when we say Seattle. They're not the Legion of Boom. They're not this dominant defense that played in the early 2010s that were able to dominate. Um, I would say that Aaron Rodgers, uh, I don't know how good the Packers defense is, but I think it's better than than the Seattle Seahawks. But this game to me is really telling and will be revealing. Um, it will reveal a lot about the Packers. We've seen that Tampa Bay defense. That Tampa Bay defense is good. And the one thing that Tampa will do is they're going to stop the run. So they're going to stop the run, and they're going to force Aaron Rodgers to play in these must-throw situations. And they may be able to force him to play in these must-throw situations where play action isn't a factor. And if it becomes a drop-back game, are the Packers wideouts good enough to get open without the flash fakes and the threat of the run action diverting the eyes of the defense. That's what I want to see. And then I want to see if the Packers defense, are they good enough to stop what could be a reloaded Tampa Bay Bucks offense that may get Chris Goodwin back also may get Leonard Fournette back to go with Rojo and those things. So I think this will be the first test where we'll be able to kind of use it as a measuring stick to see how good the green Bay Packers are. I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think you're going to see a bunch of points in this game. I think both quarterbacks play well. I'm betting on Tom Brady's pride because the frustration coming out of that Thursday night game, not knowing the down and distance uh, at the end of the game, not knowing it was fourth down and the frustration that came along with that. I, I Look, I'm not as confident when we get to week 14 and 15 with Tom Brady that, that he's going to be able to maintain. I think you're going to see some fall off there at the end of the year at his age. But I'm telling you, this week is a pride game. And I'm not I'm not going to ever doubt Tom Brady to deliver on a, in a big moment when his pride has been hit a little bit. So I, I think he's going to have a good game. I think they're going to be able to score some points down and they're going to hit some big shots down the field. And I think on the other side, having you know watched the Tampa secondary against the Chargers and Herbert, they were able to go max protect. They, Todd Bowles likes to blitz a lot. If you can get it, if you can get it called up where you've got protection, and then you can isolate down the field. They have a very young secondary. It's the youngest secondary in the National Football League. So um, I, I think they'll be able to attack down the field with Aaron Rodgers uh, vertically. So I, I think this is. I think this game's in the 30s for both teams. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that we will see points. Here's the thing, man. The, the Tom Brady thing kind of scares me because this this offense is morphing into the Patriots' offense, where it's all over the middle of the field. The thing is, I don't know if the pieces fit for how Tom Brady wants to play. Also. They gonna have. They will need to remove the binky from Tom, Rob Gronkowski. They have to. They have to get. They have to get Gronk off the field because as long as Gronk is on the field, Tom Brady's going to go to him in critical moments because the trust factor. And so, to protect him against himself, you have to move eighty-seven off the field because they're better players on that offense. Um, Mike Evans, all those guys. They're better. They're more consistent. They're more dynamic. Rob Gronkowski is not the Gronk that has dominated the league and will be a Hall of Fame player and so you got to remove him from Tom Brady's eye to give this offense an opportunity to fully flourish and so we'll see we'll see if the Packers jam the middle Chris Godwin will help though because we talk about him sure middle of the field Chris Godwin can work out of the slot and do a lot of yeah and and, and so that's it's going to be critical to get him back because they need a better and more dynamic option over the middle middle of the field to work because these defenses are going to continue to jam the middle of the field and force Tom Brady to throw the ball outside the numbers. He will do it on occasion, but he doesn't want to make his living throwing comebacks and outs and those things outside of the number, and that's because of the insecurity that he has with his arm strength on those throws. God, Nabil is just wearing us out on here. I mean, this. Oh, I don't even. I don't even. I don't even look at the like, what, like, what do we have? Going to lose. That's what I. Do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
he's, he is so invested in these Packers, man. Uh, Look, uh, I, I want to hit you up uh, one more thing here, Buck, about, uh, first of all, North Carolina. Were you number five right now in the country? Yeah, right now. And they play uh, Florida State this weekend, which is only scary because the brand name is Florida State. And you want to make sure you give them their due. That, they, they are, but it's a maturity game. In terms of is Carolina mature enough to take care of business and just kind of knock them out? Be honest, are you, I haven't I haven't watched Carolina. Yet. I like Sam Howell, but are you guys really this good, or is it or is it the fact that Virginia Tech's whole team had COVID last week? What what is it? Uh, they would have beat Virginia Tech anyway. Um, Virginia Tech is always a, a, a nightmare matchup. Here's the thing: it's really hard to determine how good anybody is right now because everyone is kind of playing within their conference. Originally, Carolina would have played Auburn and UCF. Like yeah. the Auburn game would have been a a, a test like, oh, okay, cool. They're, they're physical enough to play outside of their deal or whatever. I will say this. They have two good running backs. Uh, the quarterback is playing good, not great. And they have a ton of playmakers outside. Offensively, they're as good as anybody when it comes to being able to move up and down the field and do some things. Defensively, Chaz Sur- Surratt is a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He is a, a uniquely talented off-the-ball linebacker. He is kind of the new school thing in terms of what you want, DJ. Like He was a former quarterback, right? Former quarterback. But I will say this, because um, my dad always tells me everything. Like, Nabil is with the Green Bay Packers. My dad is that with Tar Heel football and Tar Heel athletics. <laughs> so, so Chaz Surratt and his brother, who's a wide receiver at Wake Forest, they always won a bunch of state championships, not only in football, but also in basketball. Really good athletes. And so Surratt was a, a quarterback and a safety. Um, he made the transition to linebacker in spring ball last year. Went from spring ball linebacker to being an all ACC defender. And so he doesn't even really know how to play the position. And so it's scary to think about what he could be when he really gets someone that can do it. And I want to go back to this because we talked about fit and scheme. And I want to hit you on this because I've seen you tweet about Jeremy Chin and the Carolina Panthers. Jeremy Chin was the quote unquote poor man's version of Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. I don't know if you've been keeping up with Isaiah Simmons. He's the rich man's version of Isaiah Simmons now. Right. And Isaiah Simmons isn't playing for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Simmons is not in the rotation for the Cardinals. And the danger that we talked about in this is one of those things where we talk about in the meetings like, oh, well, the defense coach is always like, oh, I'll take him out, figure it out. Yep. We'll figure it out. Well, now you have him and DJ, they don't have a spot for him because Buda Baker is so good at safety that you can't put him in that spot. The safety that's playing beside him is also a really good player. And linebacker, Devondre Campbell, is absolutely balling for them. And then you have Jordan Hicks, who's a solid player in their scheme. And so they're kind of left without a true position for him, and they haven't been able to put him on the field. And we can talk about fit and scheme and, hey, do you build around the player or do you get a player that fits your scheme? And I'm looking now because there are a lot of people that are expressing their frustration over Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons not playing. But you and I have both been in front offices where yeah. we've seen this happen. It happened in Carolina with Thomas Davis for us. We drafted Thomas Davis and said he was going to play safety. Thomas Davis was not a safety. He was a linebacker. And so his first year, we absolutely wasted him until we put him at linebacker and cleared space for him to get on the field. I worry about Isaiah Simmons wasting years until they figure out how to fully deploy him. Well, the scary thing about the Cardinals is because you have the history of Hassan Reddick coming in as a first rounder, another tweener. Another one, another one who hasn't played. Didn't really work. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the concern there. 
man, I liked Isaiah Simmons. I, I mean, I'm surprised that they have not been able to craft some type of a role for him. Uh, but he, you know, he struggled. I think it was early in the season. We went against San Francisco, the San Francisco game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a he had a tough time against Rain Muscle. But like Ricky's gonna have those things. I think the bigger thing, I just don't think they know where the where he fits. And I think it's one of those things. Even when we're doing it, because we talk about like the Swiss Army knives and the hybrids, and doing it, I think Carolina was better positioned to handle a player like that because their guys are coming from college, and yeah. in college. That's kind of what you do in the new spread, particularly in the Big 12. You take these dynamic athletes and you put them at the second level. And, hey, man, you go run around and make plays. And so I think Matt Rule and those guys had a clear vision for how to play them. I think when you have older school guys like Vance Joseph, who's look a buddy of mine, I just don't know if they really know what to do with a player like that. And I think it's, it's one of those things that it's tough to evaluate. Here's, here's one of the thoughts I have on this. I want to get your takeaway on it. I feel like with guys that are versatile, you're still, though, you're better off having somebody that majors and minors versus being a double major, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's he's 75% safety, and we'll let him dabble 25% as a nickel. Um, but I don't know if the double major, the 50-50, or even if you're going to try yeah. three different things equally, I don't know if that's the best way to go. And that was, the, that was the thing that was so difficult because when you watched him at Clemson, you know, we talked about, oh, he played five or six different positions. He was over there. In a way, it reminds me, and I'm not saying this, he was the same player, but you remember Jabril Peppers and how much he moved around from Michigan and all those things or whatever. Like, I, I think your analogy is great. Major, major in something, minor in the other thing. Because everyone I talked to, and I talked to some coaches leading up to the draft, they were like, man, I, I don't know where he is because they're like, hey, it's all great. But at some point, he has to go to somebody's room. For yeah. me, is he a linebacker? Is he a DB? And when I talked to people that interviewed him, he was like, man, the danger is, and this is someone that wasn't with the Cardinals that took him, he said, the danger is this. If you take him at linebacker and then they're giving up plays at safety, does he look to the back and be like, hey, coach, I want to go to safety. If he's playing safety and he sees linebackers getting action, hey, coach, I want to go to linebacker. And he says sometimes it's harder with a guy who has been given so much leeway to kind of bounce around and do everything that it's hard to put them in one spot and have them really commit to being great in that one spot until you give them the extra stuff that they can do. Got to have citizenship, right? You got to be, you got to be a citizen of, of some country here. You, know? you can go get your pizza and bounce around and visit, places, but you better have citizenship somewhere. Yeah, like you have to, you have to be able to um, go somewhere. You have to be able to, to thrive and flourish in one spot. And if you're doing a rookie justice, hey, let's put him in this spot. We want to get you comfortable to the pro game. And we do it. We saw it with Minka Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick in, in Miami. Oh, we're going to bounce around or whatever. And they never really got anything like it out of him to the to the draft status. So then he goes to Pittsburgh. They say, hey, you're the ornament on top of the Christmas tree. Yep. This is what you're going to do right now. Now, he may come and whine and more. Hey, I want to do more. Nope. You're exactly. right here. This is what we're doing. And he's played better because at least he knows each and every day. This is what I'm going to do. And as he matures, I'm sure they'll give him more. But right now, they're not asking him to do too much, which can slow down the development and their impact ability. Yeah, it's a delicate line because we spent a lot of time in the run for the draft last year talking about these positionless players and kind of where the league was going and, and hybrid guys that can do a lot of different things. You want that, but you also want guys that can at least start off and, and get you know comfortable in one spot and then grow into doing more of those things. It's tough to ask these guys to come in as first-year players and, and, and facilitate all those different responsibilities. That's just a lot to ask. 
It is a lot to ask. It's a lot to demand. And and this is why coaches and scouts have to be on the same page. And if you're not in agreement on how the player is going to be used or how he's valued, move on to the next player. Because ultimately, if you don't, you get a situation where you have Isaiah Simmons, who is probably frustrated because he can't find his way onto the field after being such a dominant player for all of his life. Yep. No, that's... It's a good point. Um, all right. I, I do want to uh, get this out here. You can stream live local and primetime games for free on your phone and tablet by downloading the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app. Um, we uh, challenged people, put out a tweet yesterday, showed some highlights of Duke Johnson from high school. We were talking about that the other day and, uh, and put the challenge out to everybody. Go find that tweet and you can even look up the full video. You can find it. I'm sure it's on Huddle. Um, and you can find the Duke Johnson high school highlights. Go on Apple Podcasts um, in the review section. Leave us a rating and review. Leave us your little scouting report there on Duke Johnson. We'll see what you got. Uh, a little high school scouting report here. And let us know also who the best high school football player you've seen. Um, anything else you want to add before we jump out of here, Buck? No, nah, man, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, the high school highlights, I think, is fantastic. I, I, the one thing that stands out to me when we look at the high school stuff, guys don't really change. The same plays that you see them make on Sunday, they're the same plays they were making on Friday nights. Uh, when you look at Odell Beckham Jr.'s, Highlight tape, he's making those one-hand catches and doing all the silliness that he's doing in the league, he was doing there. And so uh, you can't get a sense. Um, sometimes those dominant players, they, they're they easy to find. And by the way, can I just vent here for one small second? And I'm not – this has nothing to do with uh, politics or nothing to do with the severity of the of the coronavirus because I know you got to take it serious. But, man, does it suck not having high school football out here, man. I know you as yeah no it's uh yeah it's been it's been it's been challenging you know like it's challenging in one turn in in one aspect because you want to be on the field but the other thing is DJ like when when you see high school teams playing in other states you just wonder oh. I mean how are they um how are they mitigating like an outbreak or any of these things like when you hear Alabama have an issue with Nick Saban and all this other stuff I'm just like man what are we what are we gonna do like. What are we, what are we going to do within a high school? Because you can't bubble up everybody. Um, no. You're going to have some things. It's, it is frustrating. But I will say, um, for those who are obviously around Southern Cal, like it's ramping up because the month of November, guys are under su- summer rules. So they get back on campus. Some teams are already working out, lifting weights and that stuff. Seven on seven will start in the month of November. And before you know it, December 14th is the official kind of kickoff date when it comes to practice. You have three weeks to, to get ready. So – I'm, I'm I'm dialing in. I'm trying to call Mike Rabel to figure out, hey, what how what how to work without practice? Yeah, what's that? What's that walkthrough plan that you guys did? Uh, that, uh, you guys were able to do to kind of make it happen. But yeah, unique circumstance. But how about this, DJ? Um, does the Big Ten kick off this week or next week? Is it next I think, week? No, I think it's next week. I think it's the last week of October. Then the Pac-12 goes first week in November. How crazy is that, right? Like it's it's so crazy to think because I'm looking at the rankings. You talked about Carolina, and I'm. Ohio State and all these other teams. And I just wonder when we get to the playoff part. Yeah. A packed, say a packed 12 team that's only played six seven games. Seven and oh. How are they going to be ready to deal with teams that have played like 10 and 11 games? Yeah. You know, um, just the rhythm because the football has been, I mean, let's be honest, it's been very offensive centric. Defenses yeah. are just scrambling, just trying to keep up. Um, what is this going to look like, especially out here where the ball typically flies all over the yard anyway? And oh, you're gonna, after dark, like you're gonna see a lot of 60 point games out in the Pac 12, man. Seven on seven, <laughs> seven on seven. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be ridiculous. Um, 
to kind of see. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But I can't wait to watch it because if you put it on at any time, because there was a game on last night, a college game, Coastal. Coastal in uh, Louisiana, right? And they beat Louisiana. I know. Top 25 win for Coastal. By the way, I got to talk to my son about that. Coastal Carolina, like we can get, if we can get something going there, like that's a beautiful place, man. Oh, the Chanticleers? Oh, yeah. Myrtle Beach? Is it Wilmington or Myrtle Beach? Is it Myrtle? Okay, yeah. Good yeah, spot. it's in Myrtle Beach. Good spot. They got a good. I mean, yeah, there's some places, man. Yeah, look at there. Got to get you your go. son down there. Golf down there. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, NFL launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities by exercising the right to vote. Uh, join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com/votes to learn more. All right, that's gonna do it. We're getting out of here. We're just uh, we're just hanging out now. All right, let, that'll do it for us. I appreciate you guys listening to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's. We'll catch you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.